Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. listening in stereo I know this sucks cuz I don't know why the audio driver is not what it should be and then it's like it will suddenly appear so there's nothing I could do. I'm a victim in all of this. Yeah. All the things that should work do not. Yeah, so so I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The um let me try this though. Outputs. Line output. 3 through 10. Spit if outputs. 1 and 2. That's not. Yeah, I don't know. It's too complicated for me. I can't figure it out. I'm being a dumbass. Yeah, so I apologize. Happy Thanksgiving, though. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving week. So in keeping with Thanksgiving week, you know, we'll do Thanksgiving stuff. The Mensa brothers are going to join me and uh, for a discussion. And uh, it's, it's pretty funny. I'm not good. Let me just tease this. Tim Lynch... Tim Lynch buys a heritage turkey. Now, you don't know what that is. I didn't know what that, Well, maybe you do. I didn't know. I don't know what a heritage turkey is. But Tim has one. That's right. Tim Lynch. Mm-hmm. And so, pay attention to that little part of the, <laughs> the interview. Oh, it's classic. 
<clears throat> classic. So um, the um, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so we'll do Mensa Brothers today. I'm in the market for a used car. Colleen's looking for one. Oh man, what a nightmare! <clears throat> and you know my uh, my mechanic told me it would be. He said, "Hey, just so you know." Um, you know, because of the chip shortage and the shipping thing, you know, there's nobody has any cars. I said, what? He said, yeah, Mac, nobody has any cars. I'm like, yeah, my, my, uh, my mechanic's name's Dave Rivera. And I've known his family, uh, forever for a long time. They're good friends of Mike's wife. And, um, Dave's got a dog named Megan <laughs> who stays in his shop. And so I go to see Dave. And, you know, mechanics used to have to be smart guys, right? Now they just they hook that thing up to your car, and the car tells them what's wrong with it. So I'm watching him. I'm like, so he's like, you don't even have to be a mechanic anymore, do you? He goes, no. I said, so you just have, have to have a couple screwdrivers and a wrench? He said, yep. He said a lift helps, something to get the car in here. I'm like, what What bullshit? I'm like, yeah, yeah, gone are the days where mechanics used to have to figure shit out. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, the car tells you everything. Everything's wired together. You hook this thing up. You start scanning different systems. Car's got like, you know, 20-something different, you know, uh, circuits in it. It'll tell you what's going on in each circuit. Yeah, I'm like, what a dumbass, huh? And he says, yeah, pretty much. So anyway, um, my truck is 11 years old. Yeah, my Nissan Frontier, which I love, and I don't want to get a new one, but it's got like a ball joint problem, so it's going to cost me a couple grand to fix it. So I'm looking at other cars, and I'm like, I don't want a, I don't want a car payment. So anyway, but trying to find a used car for Colleen is a nightmare. Because you can't find a new car. And we went looking for, like, cars that college kids might get, right? Um, to try to get a payment of $300 or less. So something around twenty grand. First of all, you can't find them. If you find them, you go look at the sticker. So manufacturer suggested re retail price, $20,999. Dealer markup, five grand, right off the top. And the guy tells me, goes, yeah, we, we're not really negotiating because these cars are all sold. Like, that's awesome. So what do you think that has done to the to the secondary market of used cars right through the roof? Yeah, so it's kind of a nightmare situation to be, nightmare situation to be trying to buy a used car. So I'm doing... A, kind of doing that Colleen's trying to figure out what she wants but she's narrowed that down the um to be trying I to buy hear myself in my head so I'm doing I kind of doing that Colleen's trying to hell? figure out I'm in heaven oh <laughs> just kidding um so Colleen's kind of figuring out you know she likes the what Toyota RAV4 kind of like a little hatchback SUV kind of thing but shit man unless you get them with a lot of miles or you know that are you know seven eight years 
the prices are in the used car market are crazy. So got that, got that going for me. And um, and then Thanksgiving upon us. I just finished producing the last of reproducing the last of the five videos uh, in the post-traumatic winning for the post-traumatic winning seminar. And I'm very happy with the way they turned out. I, I've honestly, I've learned so much from the people in the seminars. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing. And that's why we're, when, whenever I'm traveling, I mean, I, I mean, I stop what I do to, to do my seminars because I don't like to miss them. And so, um, but just the wisdom that comes out of these discussions is, um, is, is really transformational for me in terms of like all the, what post-traumatic winning is, is essentially the first two years of All Marine Radio, interviewing people, talking about mental health and hearing them say the same things. Everybody telling me essentially the same, a different variation of the same story. And, um, and then me going, hmm, I didn't know any of this shit. Most people don't know any of this shit. I need to, I need to like put something together and tell this stuff. So um, I do. Now, the second part of it is all the conversations subsequent to that that I've had, right, with people essentially affirming the things that I learned in the first two years of doing this program that I'm now five and a half years into. But then the seminars start, and that is a much deeper discussion, much longer format where you're spending eight weeks with people and you're getting to know them and they're getting to know you and you're having much, much deeper discussions about very, very complex um, concepts like shame and trauma, okay? That combat trauma is exalted in our, in our culture, right? Oh, you went to war for the nation, you're a hero, blah, blah, blah. Well, rape victims don't hear that. Victims of child abuse don't hear that. So they struggle in silence with their shit. They're not exalted, and they don't want to be exalted. They don't want anybody to know. And so when you, when you think about not only do, does somebody deal with the traumatic experience, then they deal with the shame associated with not being able to discuss this experience with anybody because I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know that my uncle molested me. And so, and so when you sit there and listen to this, um, <clears throat> the seminars have affirmed for me the rightness of what I learned in the first two years of the program. Every bit of it spot on. I have never, ever had somebody tell me, hey, I think this is bullshit. Well, actually, I did. And she got crushed by the other people in the seminar. <laughs> uh, and I think I've told the story. Um, 
I want to say the third commandment is trauma is trauma is trauma is trauma. And um, somebody in the very first seminar kind of took me on and said, yeah, it's one of the things I don't like about Mac's program. And I kind of said it in a snotty way, too. Um, and so I'm sitting there, and whenever that happens, I try not to take it personal. It's a chance for me to learn. Maybe I'm wrong, right? And she said, you know, there's a reason that we have definitions, you know, like secondary trauma and things like that, because it's not primary trauma. And so... I start looking it up on the internet, that definition. I never really had a very nuanced discussion about secondary trauma, which applies to anybody who would respond to the traumatic event. And so, so, so this is all going on simultaneously. She says this, and, and, we're, and people are discussing it. And this one woman by the name of Anne says, I think he's right. She said, I'm a social worker, and I deal with stuff every week. She said, and I dealt with something last week that I can't get out of my head. She said, I had to bribe a three-year-old girl with ice cream to get a urine sample so I could test it for semen because she had been raped. How do I get the picture out of my head of that little girl sitting there with that ice cream cone in her shaking little hands. Now, that image that she painted haunts me, right? I have two daughters. I remember them as, little, as the cutest little three-year-old girls in the world. And that image that she described is seared into my head. So she said, I think he's right. I'm a professional and I'm just supposed to deal with this shit and it's not supposed to impact me, well, that's not the way it works. And so these seminars really have, uh, I mean, the discussions are so deep and so good and, and so raw. They're amazing. And so, you know, that, and just to show you where this kind of stuff goes, is when you look at, say, shame and trauma, you look at uh, guilt and trauma, you look at things like moral injuries. Um, those are all complications from trauma, right? And which have lent to me describing trauma when it comes into your life as a bug splat. And it's messy and it just doesn't get you. It gets you or it gets the person involved. It gets their family, it gets their very, very close friends, it gets the people that respond to it, it gets everybody. And so, um, yeah, so I don't like to postpone the seminars because I just find them, they're very extremely deep conversation, extremely deep. So I've been, uh, I've been really lucky, but I finished those videos and now I have to get after um, writing the second draft of the book and have to get that to market. The, the children's book, just an update, 
um, Bev, the quality assurance maven of post of uh, All Marine Radio. Um, Bev and I are working on that, and she's very gracious and very indulgent with me. Um, it's a little bit uh, um, of a challenge to write with somebody because at the end of the day, I mean, it's my book, okay? And I have to be comfortable with it. And so that can, that can sometimes be, be a little awkward. And she's very gracious about that. So, But, I mean, um, so the way I, 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 I write is I divide what I write into acts, right? Into every act, there are scenes, kind of storyboards. And you build the storyboards, and that gives you the flow of, of the story. And then from the storyboards, you write the story. So the, I, I think the writing is, is, is not difficult once you have the path laid out. And then even you could take the storyboards and move one from here to there, but you, you know which way the story is going. It'll go from this act to this act, and this is why. So anyway, I have to get out and, and write the book of post-traumatic winning, which I don't want to be a long book. I want it to be a relatively short book. And um, so, yeah, that's why I'm happy to get the videos done. Um, video making's not easy. I don't know if you know this, but it's not very easy. Yeah, video is harder than audio. Um, and it always seems for me that something will go wrong when I'm doing video. Yeah. So the other night, I was doing the last video, and I do an intro and outro for it. And so that's me live speaking. And then I narrate the presentation, and then we go to the outro, and that dissolves into me speaking live. So I do the intro and the outro. I record them. And um, you want to know what my favorite part of that is? This is this is stupid, but but <laughs> it's funny. My favorite part is, you know the clacker board? Hold on. I'll go get it. Don't go anywhere. Okay. So when, um, when you try to do quality audio and video, you, um, they should be robust systems, right? It starts with a good camera. That camera records digital video, right? So that's good. And then the audio, if you take it from your camera, that sucks normally. So normally, if you're doing good stuff, you would have a separate recording system right, its own robust system. And so you have the audio, the microphone's going into a computer or some kind of recording device. And then you have to sync that up. Well, you've seen in movies when they shoot video of movie productions being made, you know, you'll see something called a clacker. Now, I'm sure there's a digital version of this, but I don't know how to use it. It probably set markers. I don't I'm not I don't know how to do that yet. But the clacker is that board that says, right? Production, role, scene, take, director, camera, date, blah 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 blah. 
And so they take it, they put that doubt on the board, right? It's an actual job. And then, you know, when they say like roll them or something, somebody takes the clacker board and does this. Okay, now, so when you go to take the video and the audio, two separate files, and you put it into the um, mixing software so that mixes the audio and the video to create a video, right? You then have to sync those files. So you go into the audio and you see that where that, that sound is, it's this huge spike in the audio because it's, it's, uh, it's so sharp, right? So you see, the, and, and you know, in audio, in, in the file, you see phew, exactly the point. So you cut the audio there. Then on the video, you expand, the, you zoom into the video, and you can see the second that the clacker hits the other piece of wood, and you cut it there. And you sync those things together, and it's magic. The lips move when the words come. It's amazing. For whatever reason, that's my favorite part. I do that, and I and then I hit play, and the lips and the words are all doing the same thing. I'm like, wow, what a miracle! Yeah, and this thing gets made <clears throat> in like 1920 by some dude with a chalkboard, <laughs> and he makes this little arm. But it's it's an awesome piece of technology. But video is harder than audio. And so, like, but I said, something always goes wrong. And, a, like, a light will come on. You know, like, the other night I was doing it, and all of a sudden this reminder comes up on my on my computer screen, and it changes the lighting, right, because the computer screen's all blacked out except for certain words and things like that that I'm using as a script. All of a sudden this reminder pops up, and then you get this piece of white light, which changes the shot. Yeah, shit like that. So the other night... I'm doing the fifth one, and I got it all down. I'm ready to go. I sync the audio and video with the clacker board. Here, let me, you can hear it one more time because I like doing this. Yeah, so I sync that because sometimes I forget, and then I have to, when I forget, it's not like I'm going to reshoot the scene, right? Then I have to I fuck it. What does I fuck mean? I fuck means you like work it by hand, okay? Hit play, words and Lips and words don't sync. Move it a little bit this way. Lips and words don't sync. Hit play. Do this. Boom. Yes. So anyway, um, I think I've done it, right? So I, I, I do the intro and the outro, and my mind speaks to me, and it says, that was awesome. One take wonder, McNamara. Well done. Okay, so I go around to my, my camera to shut it off and then download the video file. Big sign on the back of my camera on the optical port, right? Memory card reached max. I'm like, motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> what? And I'm like, yeah, I've never really deleted anything off that son of a bitch. So, yeah, that pissed me off. I'm like, you know what? Video. Always kicking my ass. So, um, yeah. So I'm I'm happy to be done with those, and uh, and now I'm excited to to book write again. Although book writing to me is challenging. Um. So anyway, 
But uh, like I said, I want it to be a short book. I don't want it. To, I want it, I want people to look at it and say, and and it not to be intimidating. I want it to be friendly, and I want people to take it. And I don't want it to be more than about a hundred pages. The first book, and then there'll be other books. I think um, because some of these some of these discussions are fascinating. Honestly. You hear the the stuff that people have been through, how they've grown through it, how they how how they've struggled with it for decades, and um, yeah, yeah. The um, if you have any uh, if you have any car buying advice for me, let me know. Okay, and not your friend Vinny, blah 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 blah. So, and if you live in the Southern California area and you want to sell a, a really, really nice car for really, really cheap, let me know. I'm your guy. So, with that said, the Mensa brothers are going to join me. I will uh, do the news headlines here. I will do that. And, uh, and like I said, you'll enjoy the Mensa brothers today. They're funny. They're not always funny. I'll tell you what we talk about. We talk about Tim's. We talk about Tim's heritage turkey. Yeah, his heritage fucking turkey. Who knew? I can't find my remote for my TV. I haven't even turned my TV on. The world could be ending right now. Like nobody could be out there listening. I don't know that, except because Orange County's still safe as it should be. Um, so I'm doing that as we speak. So you'll hear about that. We talk about our favorite military pictures. Yeah, just pictures that, uh, for whatever reason that we've seen. And I'll put, I'll put a few of them up, um, in the post, the ones I can find. Um, so we talk about that. That's interesting. Um, what you hear. Then we talk about Thanksgiving. So we talk about our favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal. Then we talk about this. Do you believe in celery? Celery and dressing, we talk about that. Cranberry, yes or no. And how do you, how do you load your fork? Are you an a la carte fork loader, meaning... Like, I do the turkey and the gravy in one bite. I do peas in the next. I do mashed potatoes in the next. I do stuffing. Right? I'm a, uh, I'm an a la carte fork person. Or do you load that thing up? Yeah. How are you? So we, we talk about that. And then we, gotta, we get into the subject of Italian food. I'm not exactly sure why. Or how that happened. Oh, yeah, I am. Will brings it up. Jeff talks about having turkey, because that's what my family did. My mother loved turkey, loved to make it. And the, my favorite meal, my mother's turkey Thanksgiving, which I make. My ex-wife used to make. She enjoyed it so much. So I've always eaten the same meal for turkey for Thanksgiving. Yeah, my mom's. And let me tell you, I, I mean, I can fucking cook. I can rip Thanksgiving. Just so, hey, just for the record, crush that shit. And it actually isn't that hard if you prepare it. Yeah. As Kim taught me, right? 
if you prepare the sides beforehand and have them like the potatoes peeled and soaked, you know, the, 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 the side dishes that you're going to make peas and stuff like that, that's all, that's all done. So then it's the stuffing into the bird. And then the key to the whole meal is the gravy. If you fuck the gravy, you fuck the meal. Yeah, I, hey, I'm sorry. So again, if you're smart, you have a little backup gravy. It's your jick gravy, just in case. Just in case this whole thing goes south, I have jick gravy. And you don't don't buy it from like the supermarket either. Go on like some foo-foo place that I never shop, like Williams and Sonoma. And, and if you think that you have the potential to fuck up the gravy, don't roll the dice for Thanksgiving. Okay? Do not. Because nobody wants to eat your burnt gravy. Yeah. The gravy is the focal part of the meal. Okay? It is the artist part of the meal. That's right. And I crush gravy. My ex-wife struggles with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... So, so yeah, the thing about gravy that I've learned is you got to pay attention to it, okay? You've got to pay attention to it. You can't just, like, be fucking around and doing seven things in the kitchen. When the gravy's getting made, everybody, in fact, everybody should leave the house when the gravy's, yeah, go outside. Go smoke a cigarette, smoke a joint, shoot some baskets, pull a weed. I don't really give a shit. Go the fuck outside. The gravy's being made. That's right. And uh, and then, so so then, once the gravy's made, everything else is. But I, I do make a cherry pie from scratch. Yeah, no shit. A cherry pie from fucking scratch. I make the crust. Uh, I make the filling. Yeah, the, the cherries. Yeah. That's no shit game, okay? So anyway, Thanksgiving. My favorite meal. My favorite meal. So good morning to everybody out there. Um, if you're traveling, uh, make sure you give yourself extra time and to get there and don't be in a hurry. Um, I think one of the saddest things that happens over the course of the hol- this holiday is that, you know, en route either to or from is that, you know, the people get in car accidents and then this, you know, most wonderful you know, feast of the year, um, then has a tragic element to it. So, um, do everything you could do. Don't be in a hurry. Don't leave late. And, uh, yeah. So with that said, the United States Marine Corps band makes this morning official for all you Thanksgiving people. The Mensa brothers will join me next. I'll check the news headlines. The news sucks. So I'm not going to check too much of it. Um, what is my favorite story right now? Maybe I should start talking about what is my favorite story. But anyway, we'll check some quick headlines and then uh, and then you'll hear the Mensa Brothers. So without further ado, and yeah, and I'll be here tomorrow too. So yeah, because I love you, right? Exactly. United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Good morning. <laughs>
let me read you a few messages. Dude, celery and stuffing is the best. What are you talking about? I, I Look, there are no words, okay? I know you feel like that. It's an emotional thing for you because your grandmama put it in the celery. But, bro, let me just tell you, it's, it sucks, okay? It sucks. You just don't, you know, look. You know what comes into my head when I hear stuff like that? Just ignorant. Just ignorant, right? And the phrase from the Bible, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. What Jesus thought when they crucified him, that comes into my head. Just dumb. Just dumb. So, uh, with that being said, this is uh, dedicated to everybody traveling out there. Travel safe. Um, uh, be conscious of the weather, especially all you people living in cold weather land. Um, be careful. Have a great holiday, but start being safe. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> such a quality such a quality line <clears throat> You know what? Let me let me play that back. First of all, he's he's delivered this before. Listen to the timing of this little piece of comedy. <clears throat> Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that. Thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. Yeah, he says that like that's the first time he's ever said that. Now listen to the timing on the second part. <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose. 
if we have to go find We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win. We got to win. We got to win. Who says that anymore? Right? Not enough people say it. That's for fucking sure. Right? Especially in the Department of Defense. Currently, it is 43 degrees. Hold on. Let me update these temperatures. That looks a little cold to me. Currently, it's 44 degrees in Quantico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winter on the East Coast. Down the coast... Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point, home of the incredible 2nd Marine Air Wing. My favorite air wing. Yeah, boom, bitches. Um, sunny in 44. 29 Palms, sunny in 57. Got cold on in California. Oceanside, sunny in 58. That's Camp Pendleton, Oceanside. At Camp Smith in Hawaii, it is dark cloudy 74. In Okinawa, dark cloudy 64. In Manila, it is dark cloudy 82. In Darwin, dark cloudy 84. At the home of Almarine Radio, it is partly cloudy. 61 degrees. Looking for a high of 73 to get today. 73 tomorrow, 79 on Thursday. Thank that would be Thanksgiving for all you people that are new to the United States. Yeah, Thursday Thanksgiving. On Friday it's going to be 82. Whoa. Saturday 76. How about that? Let me look at the 10-day forecast. Saturday 76. Sunday 71. Monday 70. Tuesday. 69. No, no, no. That's the week following. So Monday, 73. Tuesday, 72. Wednesday, 75. Thursday, 74. Friday, 75. It's going to be the 70s all next week. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, um, oh, yeah. I, I should tell you this. You know my neighbor that, like, fucked me over with the whole Colleen party thing? Called the cops. Didn't call me. Didn't come over and knock on the door. He ca- he calls. I leased this house that I live in. He calls the landlord because he doesn't want to talk to me because he knows, like, bad shit will happen. So anyway, um, <laughs> I get a call from my landlord. Who's this old weird dude? Mike, Brian. Hey, Brian, what's up? Um, he leaves me at night. I don't have to call him. He leaves me a message. Rick's going to put in the fence. So the fence is going to come down for a couple days. Yeah. So yeah, going to be a little dicey. So the first thing I have to do is I have to make sure I get a little that plastic orange fence and pen the idiot dog brothers so they don't get away. And then, um, and then avoid that part of that side of the house. So, anywho, yeah, that in the news. Well, it's not really in the news. It's just in my life. Okay, top story in Stars and Stripes today. 
and then the Mensa brothers. You know what? Fuck. This is what I wanted to ask the Mensa brothers. Feeling is top story in the Stars and Stripes. Empty feeling. Supply disruptions limit shoppers' choices at overseas exchanges and commissaries. Yeah. Um, here's another story that I saw yesterday. I didn't really read it. But Navy security officer arrested on sex trafficking charges in Virginia. Lieutenant Commander, that would be a major, Charles Cranston, 47, was arrested Thursday after an incident near Richmond on November 2nd. Henrico County Police Records Show. He's a longtime member of the Navy's law enforcement and security branches. He is charged with commercial sex trafficking to receive money. Been in the Navy for 27 years. So, I guess film on 11. Like, what? Sex trafficking? Like, what in the hell? Like, that guy's an officer in the American military? Are you shitting me? Send his ass to prison for, for a long, long time. And then sex trafficking in human beings. Okay, we're not talking that like he sold sex toys. Like he's trafficking in human beings. Fuck that guy, man. Yeah. Is the death penalty still allowed in the military? Because let me just tell you this. I think this is my considered opinion. Okay, because I've thought about it. My considered opinion is this. When you behave like a predator, when you prey on other human beings, what would we do with any animal that did that? What do we, I mean, we do it with animals that, that, that attack humans. What do we do? We put them down. Why? Because your right doesn't, your right as a human does not include the right to be a predator on other human beings. They have the same rights as you. So when you do this shit, when you're a predator on somebody else, like that miserable fuck up in up in Wisconsin, how in the fuck is that guy not in jail? And the people responsible for that shit, fuck, they ought to go to fucking jail too. Not just have to read a shitty newspaper article about their job performance. There's fucking people dead because of your sorry fucking asses. I mean, I went through this up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, where a five-time offender murdered a girl, followed her out of Victoria's Secret. When she was on her phone getting into her car, he attacked her, duct-taped her mouth, tied her hands, raped her, and stuffed her body under the ice of the Red Lake River. Yeah, she was missing for, I don't know, three weeks before they found her body. Yeah, five-time offender. Never participated in a rehabilitation program. Did his time. His right to be free trumped her right 
to be alive. And that's the shit you saw in Wisconsin. That guy's right to be free in spite of... He tried to run over his girlfriend with a car. He shot a gun at his nephew or some shit like that. And now we're all going to be shocked that this is ha- this happens. Whoever was responsible for that shit, those fuckers ought to go to jail too. Right? And this crazy shit that's going on in the country today. I mean, I mean to me, this is what has to happen because there's enough people in the population that believe this airy-fairy bullshit, you know, about empty the jails and all this other shit. Well, let me tell you, there's predators in those jails. And what happens is when you let them out, you know what they do? They do what they know how to do, which is they prey on people. They kill people. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my considered opinion. That guy should go that guy should go away forever. There should be no amount of time that guy can serve and get out. You're a predator. We've judged you. You can live a wonderful life in the United States. Do not prey on other people. And let me tell you, and that's one of the reasons behind having a secure southern border because the 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 tra- human trafficking thing Man, when you hear when you get a classified briefing on that, that's it's disgusting. Disgusting. Anyway, um top story in the Wall Street Journal. I didn't mean to, I didn't today's Thanksgiving, man. I didn't mean to do that. Um top story in the Wall Street Journal. US others to tap oil reserves in a bid to tame inflation. So that evidently the Chinese are gonna do this too. No wonder President Biden didn't ask President Xi why he was stonewalling on the Wuhan investigation. Now I get it. It all makes sense to me. Um, so that in the news today. Top story at Marine Corps Times is... U.S. Defense Chief vows to counter Iran in visit to Bahrain. You know, there's an interesting little story going around that the Chinese were building a base in the Persian Gulf. Yeah. On the down low. Yeah, how about that? So... And then the United States found out and put a little pressure on whoever it was, United Arab Emirates, I think, UAE. And um, and they stopped. So, interesting, interesting. Yeah, U.S. Defense Chief vows to counter Iran in visit to Bahrain. So, um, Secretary of Defense, so what are you going to do? The only thing we see is them continue to make progress. And let me just tell you about Iran. The good news about Iran is that it won't be America that makes that decision about going to war. The Israelis, right? The Israelis will not fucking play around one second with the Iranians. 
Yeah, if the if if the Israelis have to, they will go in there and and destroy the whole program, if they have to. Yeah, and the United States will be standing there going, we're not sure that's a good thing. And the Israelis are will say, oh, we are. So, anyway, that's good news. Unlike North Korea, which the Israelis aren't really involved in, which is a shame because they would take care of that shit too. Um, yeah, Israelis tend not to fuck around. Yeah, because they can never lose. What happened to the United States in Afghanistan, if that ever happens to Israel, they're done. Um, top five stories in early bird, and then the Mensa brothers will join me. Um, and they'll be here tomorrow, too. Russia rejects U.S. concerns about the Ukraine as a smokescreen. The Kremlin on Monday strongly rejected the U.S. claims of a Russian troop buildup near the Ukrainian border, saying it could be a ruse intended to cover up what is described as Ukrainian leadership's aggressive intentions. So here you go. Right here, you go. What what Vladimir Putin is doing is he's pushing Joe Biden, and if Joe Biden responds as Joe Biden has responded in history, God help us all. Uh, next headline: Airmen at Al Ayudid warned fatigue was hurting war efforts. Safety reports show. Crews across multiple airframes from C-17 to KC-135 to other unmanned combat mobility assets lodged concerns about their airbase in Gutter. About one-third of the Airmen Safety Action Program's report filed in fiscal 2021 say warned fatigue was hurting the war effort. Hmm. Suboptimal Suboptimal rooming arrangement at Al Ayudid Air Base affected troop sleep and safety. Hmm. Nearly 30 Airmen Safety Action Program reports filed between January 17th and August 17th raised the issues of poor sleep fatigue impacting job performance, possible coronavirus exposure, and other safety concerns. Stemming from their dorm assignments. I'd love to read this shit. Okay, let me tell you the first thing. Take their take their cell phones away, right? So you're going to work, and then you're going to sleep, and you're going to eat. If you have time, you can work out. So even if you're working 14 hours a day, that gives you 10 hours to rest. Okay, most people don't work 14 hours a day, just for the record. Crew rest problems worldwide comprise about half of the reports. Hmm. Now, I don't want to say everybody's a baby or stuff like that. But let me just tell you uh, my experience. What young people want to do is that when they get done with work, you want to know what they want to do even when they're deployed? They want to go play fucking video games. They want to get on their phone and fuck around. That's what they want to do. That's why in the future, to me, no cell phones leave the country on deployments. Yeah, you don't have that right. I had a friend tell me, you know, it's very, very interesting. You know, the Bonhomme Richard burned up. Um, and 
his take was everybody on their cell phone on that shit, Mac. They're all fucking around. Now, I don't, I'm not going to tell you who my friend is, but he works in the manufacturing sector. That is a fireable offense if you're on your cell phone in a Teamster shop. And it's like they, like 100% of the accidents they have, people fucking around on their phone while they're working, while they're moving shit. Doesn't really work well in an industrial thing. So you would think in a combat thing, we would conclude that, yeah, that's not very productive. Yeah, we haven't made that conclusion yet. Because, you know, they have their rights. God forbid we should tell them fucking no and tell them what to do. You know, so now it's like when the McCain and the Fitzgerald, you know, crew rest. You know, they're, they're not worried. They're working 100 hours a week. Okay, let's do the math on that. This is John McCain saying this to who I have great respect for, right? Hanoi Hilton guy, 100 hours a week. All right, so 100 divided by 7 equals 14 hours a day. Well, in a 24-hour day, that means you have 10 hours where you're not working. So if you sleep for 8, right, you shower and shave for 30 minutes, that leaves you 90 minutes to fuck around. So when you're at sea or when you're at war, what's the fucking problem? Oh, well, they want to play video games for four hours. Yeah, that dog don't fucking hunt. Who's in charge of these shitheads? Yeah, sorry. I'm being like that today. Um, Navy says fuel water leaked from facility at Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Next headline. Here's how the sex here's how the selection of a single contractor to arrange PCS moves might help. So the Navy, the Navy, the DOD assigned the contract for everybody moving to one company. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Hopefully it goes better than the way they've handled private housing on bases. Next headline, Army outlines consequences for soldiers who decline coronavirus vaccine without a waiver application. So that means, fuck it, I ain't taking it. And so they've said, you're going to be discharged. The Army won't promote or reenlist troops who refuse the coronavirus vaccine and who haven't requested an exemption, according to a memo from the service's top leader. I don't understand why different branches are allowed to treat this differently. Because the Marine Corps is booting people out. The new rule, the new rules apply to active duty reserve and National Guard troops, including those in at least one state where the governor doesn't require the vaccine. Army Secretary Christine Warmuth, in a November 16th memo, lays out what will happen if soldiers refuse the vaccine and don't have an exemption request pending. They will have their records flagged the day they make their final vaccine refusal. After a meeting with a medical professional and a second order to get vaccinated, I authorize commander to impose bars to continue service for all soldiers who refuse the mandatory vaccination order without an approved exemption or a pending exemption request. A soldier will remain flagged until he or she is fully vaccinated, received an approval, approved medical or administration exemption or is separated from the army, according to the memo. 
So they're not going to boot him out. Huh. According to Army data, 77% of Army soldiers, active duty, reserve, and guard have received at least one shot. 72% are completely vaccinated. Only 51% of the National Guard is fully vaccinated. 60% has received at least one shot. So you're going to fire 40% of the National Guard? Yeah. Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, another headline. Marine Corps compliance with vaccine mandate on course to be the military's worst. Up to 10,000 active duty Marines will not be fully vaccinated against the coronavirus when their deadline arrives in the coming days. A trajectory expected to yield the U.S. military's worst immunization rate. While 94% of the Marine Corps personnel have met the vaccination requirement or on a path to do so, according to at least official data, for the remainder, it is too late to begin a regimen and complete it by the service's November 28th deadline. Within an, within, within an institution built upon the belief that orders are to be obeyed, you know what? Lawful orders are to be obeyed, okay? If somebody looks at this and said, yeah, I think this is bullshit, then you have a you have a responsibility and a right to refuse. We're not we're looking at an order that says stand that guard post, right? We're looking at an order that that much of the nation is debating. So again, um, I'm vaccinated. Yeah, so ten thousand Marines is that six percent of the Marine Corps? Marine Corps is about. 185,000? Yeah, that'd be about 10,000 people. The holdouts will join approximately 9,600 Air Force personnel who have outright refused the vaccine, did not report their status, or seek an exemption. Here's the, here's the official statement. This Look, I haven't even read this. I'm going to tell you, this, this shit's going to be awesome. Quote, Marines know they're an expeditionary force and pride themselves on discipline. <laughs> And being first to fight. I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. This is David Lappin, a retired Marine Corps officer and former communications chief for the service. Leadership, he said, should be alarmed that the Marine Corps ethos of always being ready for the next mission appears to be tarnished in the case. Why, Lappin said, did they decide not to follow a direct order? Like, dude, have you paid attention to the debate? Quote, Answering the question that will be answering that question will be essentially said. If this is somehow indicative of a problem that could arise in future, the Marine Corps has made no secret. It has struggled with vaccine hesitancy in the ranks. Late last month, officials continued issued an ultimatum: get vaccinated, apply for an exemption, or get out. Then, as a cutoff. To be in compliance drew near, the Marine Corps top general, Commandant David Berger, and his senior enlisted advisor, Sergeant Major Troy Black, distributed a video message to the force imploring those who had not been vaccinated to get it done. Quote, when something bad happens around the world and the president says, I need to know 
how long it's going to take to get Marines there. It's too late to get vaccinated, Berger said in the video. It's challenging for us to be able to continue the mission, Black added, if we're not ready to go. Berger spoke last. We need every single Marine in the unit to get vaccinated. We don't have extra Marines. We're a pretty small force, and we have to make sure that everybody on the team is ready to go all the time. It's our job. Yeah. So, Captain Andrew Wood, a Marine Corps spokesman at the Pentagon, would not address questions about the service's vaccination rate. He issued a written statement, right? The PAO's math. So this is going to be all like boilerplate bullshit. The Marine Corps has always recognized that threats posed by COVID-19 pandemic as a readiness issue which is why we have consistently emphasized the importance of receiving the vaccine, he said. We are still ready to fight and win our nation's battles, should we be called. So the question is, are you going to kick them out? Guidance from the military, this is crazy, because the Army just said we're not going to let you reenlist. Wait a minute. You were threatening to kick everybody out. You were talking about how you would characterize... Um, how you would characterize discharges a couple weeks ago. Guidance for the military services. Escalating punishments for vaccine refusers, starting with counseling from commanders, moving on to letters of reprimand, and ultimately dismissal from the service. Navy Secretary Carlos del Toro told reporters Thursday that each Marine refusing a vaccine will be addressed on a case-by-case basis. Well, what the fuck does that mean? It's all the same offense. This is bullshit, man. And again, for me, I, I can't tell you how many times I went to medical and I, you know, they told me I had to get a shot. I got the shot. Right? I'd walk in. Hey, doc, I need to get a shot. Corman's sitting there with the list. Oh, yes, sir, you're right here. Where do I go? Down that hall, you'll see so-and-so. Just tell me you're here to get a shot. Got it. Turn the corner. There's like five Marines standing in line. They all look. Hey, sir, how's it going? All right, guys, you here for shots? Yep. Get in line behind the last guy. Take your blouse off. Put Roll your sleeve up. They see you. Hey, sir, can we have your ID? Here you go. Right? Write his name down. Last four. Blah, 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 blah. Here's the shot while you're standing there talking. Hey, Doc, which shot is this? Right. Oh, it's this one. Oh, okay. Give you the shot, put your blouse on, walk out. That's how much time I spent with it. But now it's part of the political war that goes on in the country. Period. And so it goes, right? We can't even agree on a set of facts to have a discussion in the country. That might help. But again, it really doesn't matter. It only matters what side you're on, and those sides, defi- those sides define the facts. Blah, 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 blah. So anyway, Secretary of the Navy Del Toro goes on, quote, we're not just going to kick going to kick all of them out. 
on the day of the deadline, he said, predicting minimal impact to our overall readiness. Hmm. Wait a minute. That's what you said? You said you were going to discharge him. Then the governor of Oklahoma said, hey, it's not a mandatory thing in Oklahoma. He took the extraordinary step of firing the state's National Guard commander and ordering his replacement to make vaccination optional while personnel are still under state control. Whoa. Yeah, vaccination rates in the National Guard, think about this for the Army, are at 50%. Yeah, what are you going to do, fire half of your National Guard? So, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But you see, much of the country, hey man, I'm young, I'll get that thing, it'll be a cold, why do I want this vaccine? And so that, that, that discussion is not over. And then I will tell you this, some people see it as a way out of the military. They're going to kick me out. They're going to let me go. Right? I don't like this shit. And I'll get an honorable discharge. I'll get the fuck out. Pfft. Sign me up. Give me a, get my uh, get my ass out of here. All right. Uh, overseas operations. U.S. issues do not travel. COVID nineteen warning for Germany and Denmark. So get your passport annotated on that, right? U.S. warship again transits the sensitive Taiwan Straits. Oh, shit. That's your Navy out there. Quote, we are this generation's Ellis Island. Close quote. 45,000 Afghans housed at U.S. Army bases are still waiting to be resettled. This is kind of an interesting story that's written in the Associated Press. And before I get to it, uh, one more story. Australia signs nuclear propulsion sharing agreement with the United Kingdom and the United States. Right? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mr. Macron. Yeah. That guy bugs me. This is a story from uh, Associated Press story, Russian Admiral. The cursed disaster when they lost that sub with all those Russian sailors caused by a NATO sub. A retired Russian Admiral has alleged that the 2000 Kursk submarine disaster was caused by a collision with a NATO sub, an unproven claim that defies the official conclusion that the country's worst post-Soviet naval catastrophe was triggered by a faulty torpedo. Rear Admiral Vlasislav Popov, who was the commander of Russia's northern fleet when the Kursk ex- exploded and sank during naval maneuvers in the Barents Strait, charged in an interview released on Monday that the NATO submarine inadvertently bumped into the Kursk 
while shadowing it at close distance. How do you know Russians are lying? That's right. Their lips are moving. Yeah. That's with all due respect to my Russian friends. Anyway, that is a look at the news. The um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the Mensa brothers in here. And so without further ado, my friends, affectionately known as the Mensa brothers here on a Tuesday. It's um, Tuesday, but it's Thanksgiving. I know it's, that's confusing for a lot of people. Joining me are the Mensa brothers. Um from uh, McAllen, Texas, Timothy Lynch. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing just fine, Mac. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Good. Um, you know, you have an interesting array of sockets over your left shoulder on the wall and switches. There's th- yeah. there's there's a panel of two, and then there's one alone. Right. Um, is one a fan? Why is one no, separate? No, no. That's Why don't uh, you have the, a panel the of one. Three? The one that's alone lights up the walk-in closet. Oh, this is this house. This house was built seven miles from Mexico, brother. It doesn't have standard stuff. Got it. Got it. Got it. Interesting. I just noticed that. Um, yeah. All right. Joining me from the greater Kansas City area. We'll see. Will, what's up? You sound like a rapper <laughs> when I call you. We'll see. Just happy to be here, Mike M. The, uh, <laughs> Max, easy. Come on. And then Plus joining. MC. Joining me from the West Coast, San Clemente, exactly, is uh, Jeff Kenny. Jeff, how are you? I'm particularly good today. Why? You're never. You're never like that. Because yesterday, I know. Usually, I'm tankers and pissed off. Five in the next morning. I haven't been. Maybe that's why you're like 30 last night, you know, at eight, you sent around 1830, I think. So I feel really, um, slathered my whole body up with CBD oil because I'm stiff and shit. And I actually ran for about 45 minutes this morning and I feel good. I had, a, um, I had a microwave hamburger patty, a leftover taco and, uh, a one folded end piece of rye bread with peanut butter on it. So I'm, Ready to go, man. I'm ready to, I'm ready to take this Mount Sirabachi. Do you know why Jeff is actually good? He woke up this morning and figured out he was still alive. So That's every morning. He's old. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. I want to... Um, what is your favorite, all-time favorite military photo? Yeah. Come on, man. What? Come on. Let's think. Let's think. Give us you some thoughts. Give us some thoughts. You're obligated, you you're obligated right? to say Mount Sarabash. No, no, no. We'll exclude that. that. We'll take that off everybody's list. Right. Okay. That's fair, then. All right. So, with yeah, you, it, it can't be that image. Your all-time favorite military Uh-oh. image. Timmy, you just said, oh. Viet- Vietnam. Vietnam. Uh, there's a. There's a photograph that was in the late 60s i believe it's an army guy i think it's a lieutenant and he's and he's and he's uh, uh got another guy who's crying on his shoulders after a firefight it's very famous yeah. uh uh no. it's not an obscure one no i yeah. remember that I you remember. see it everywhere yeah 
I, I've always been moved by that photo. I thought that was a very good expression of how we felt about each other, you know. Really? So of all yeah, the pictures you've ever seen, you would put that yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah, it's the first thing that popped in my head outside of Mount Suribachi. Oh, exactly. Um, uh, that was excluded. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, so yeah, yeah. Nobody can accuse you of being disloyal and having your priorities <laughs> priorities misplaced. Hey, God damn it! How can he knock at that guy from McAllen not say it? It's off the table, bro. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right, we'll see. Uh, I have two. One is completely obscure. Okay, hold on. We'll go around a second time. What's number okay. one? Um. So number one is this one. It's completely obscure. It was uh, taken the day we got back from Iraq. And uh, so in First LAR, you take the buses and you go into a fenced off area where all the vehicles are. It's called the ramp and the armory is up there. So everyone gets off the bus, turns all their weapons into the armory, and then you march down a very slight incline and all the families are waiting there. And there's a picture taken from behind the battalion as we're marching down to where the families are just as we break formation. And it's uh, all the families waiting for people. So you can see them and you can see the backs of all the Marines. And just sort of in the background is an American flag uh, sort of tilted at an angle. It was actually my wife's favorite picture ever. Um, So it's just, it's a great picture. It was a great day coming back. And, uh, you know, I look at it and think about that day when we got back. So that, that's my favorite. Got it. Jeff, how about you? Your favorite? Yeah, my favorite is also one. And this one, there's a guy named David Douglas Duncan, a bunch of photographs. His favorites were Marines. And this was on a, I think in 1966. Or something. The, the hill is... Uh, guys are, an ammo CO. He's he's bandaged up. He's like kind of half sitting. The company gunny, who's a black gunny. Is a, hold on, hold, hey Jeff, Jeff, hold on. We can Jeff. We hear like every fifth word. Are you okay. on the? Are you on that? the? Are you on the internet at your at your kid's place? Or are you? Yeah. Get off it? Yeah, get off the internet. See if that helps. Boy, I think we lost him. He was a good man. He was a good man, that Kenny. Yeah. He's still showing up, but I see his icon. Nope. Now his icon just came on. So hopefully he'll call back. Will, you still haven't got a microphone? Is there a reason for that? Yeah. You guys hear me? Now we can. Can you hear me now? Bingo. Yeah. All right, start completely over again. Damn it! It's, you guys yeah, you know the last very... time when you when you talked, you were talking when I introduced you and you went on this soliloquy. We didn't hear any of that. Good. <laughs> but we didn't want to. We didn't want to piss you off by saying, "Hey, we can't hear you." But I thought the second time we should. Right. Okay. So anyway, it's a picture of a, of a hill in Vietnam that's just been taken by Hold on, hold on. Hey, that, shut your camera off, though. If I do that, the sound may go off. No. Okay, how, can you hear me? Yes. All right. Okay, so it's a, it's a picture of these guys who just took a hill. And, you know, there, it was a, there's a big book I have at home um, called the 
life goes to war. It's life magazine photos of war since they got, since they started life magazine. And that's one of the main ones in it about Vietnam it has a, the CO is being approached and, uh, by the gunny. who's also badly wounded himself. And there's some of the grunts are trying to hold the gunny back. Uh, the captain is down on the ground. Uh, he's covered with mud and blood and everything like that. But the amazing thing is some of the Marines are in holes around the top of the hill and they're like opening sea rats and joking, you know, and some of them are clearly upset about all the casualties they had and they're not, you know, but it's just, uh, kind of was a, it's a pretty good, uh, you know, uh, picture of, uh, you know, what it's like because, you know, they're exhausted from having to climb up that hill and then, and then once they're up there, re-dig holes and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was a good picture. And I know you guys probably have seen it. You just I'm just yeah, not doing I a have. good enough job of describing it to you, you know, but yeah. My, it's my favorite. My pitch my picture's a, a Suribachi picture. It is uh, I have it hanging on the wall in my office. And um, I just saw it maybe uh, within the last year. And um, it's a picture of Lieutenant Harold Schreier, whose platoon was the patrol that went up the hill. No, he was the XO. He was a company XO, Schreier. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was Keith um, Keith. No, you, you got you know it, it, him now. No, it wasn't Keith Wells. He didn't he, leave the patrol. Keith Wells platoon. No, his it was platoon not. though was most of those guys. No, it wasn't. Well, anyways, Schreier was the XO. So, I think the picture is Schreier and Boots Thomas from behind yeah. saluting the the flag as it goes up on Mount Suribachi. Okay, now just so everybody knows, when you raise the flag on Mount Suribachi, it is not required by Marine Corps order to stand at the position of attention and salute. Right? It's an act of bravery. Okay. But to me, what it represents is this, this fuck you Marine attitude, right? Hey, look, I know we're up here on Mount Suribachi. I know we don't know who's around us, right? But we're cranking the American flag on top of this son of a bitch, the first one on Japanese, you know, territory. And they're at the position of attention and they're saluting. And the pictures from behind, you can see the flag going up in front of them and then both saluting. And to me, I... I, I, it's one of my favorite pictures. It's, it's, it's to me, it's um, this marine attitude that is like, "fuck you, we'll do what we want, and we're gonna salute this flag." And so, uh, I would tell you that's probably my favorite uh, picture for because it gushes all that shit. All right, Timmy, if there's a second one, second picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was remembering back. To, to when we were in Quantico, there was a, um, at some point at the National Gallery, there was an expedition of military photography. And, and this was a, a long exhibit that had a bunch of photographs. But one of the big photographs there was like, let's see, so this was 1980. So it would have been about 18, an 1880 Army junk on the bunk that looked goddamn near identical to what the hell we were doing in Quantico right down the road. But there was something timeless, something timeless about that junk on the bunk arrangement that I just, I, that it stuck with me to this day. I thought that was just the, the cl most classic picture. But, and, um, and I remember it. Yeah, that's, that's just another one that pops to mind. How funny. Yeah. Funny. Will, you're number two. 
Yeah, there's a pretty famous picture uh, when the POWs were coming home from Vietnam, uh, getting off the airplane, and uh, one of the guys gets off, and I think he was an Air Force lieutenant colonel, and he's like coming across the tarmac, and his family is running across the tarmac uh, to meet yeah. him. And I think it's two or three kids. Uh, and you figure he hasn't seen him for, I, I couldn't tell you, it could have been five, six years. Right. Uh, you know, so it's a great homecoming picture that's only spoiled by the knowledge behind it. Right. Uh, that the guy's wife leaves him, like, uh, almost immediately. Or hadn't she already, hadn't she already left him? Or yeah, something she like might this? have already. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 But it's pretty just much. A, it, I mean, it described the mood of the country, I think. You know, yeah. wrapping yeah. their arms around these guys that they, they had finally gotten out. You know, famous, famous picture. Wow, that is. The, his daughter's wearing a miniskirt, if I recall that correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and they all take off in a run. And the picture's from behind the kids and the wife, right? And you see his face, but you see them running. And I think you can see some of them smiling, or maybe it's kind of at an oblique angle. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Jeff? Your number two favorite picture. Yeah, there's a picture from the Poussin perimeter, uh, also Marines. Uh, it's Ike Fenton, who was a captain. He was one of the company commanders in the, the 5th Marines. And Poussin was only 5th Marines as far as grunts. And uh, that was in from August until they embarked to do Inchon. And uh, the Poussin perimeter is particularly desperate. They're exhausted. It was hot as god awful hot and and you see his face um if you guys google ike fenton it, it'll come up and he looks like shit <laughs> he looks like a company <laughs> commander who's been through it up and down those hills and stuff because they call him the fire brigade you know those guys they haul him right. from one ass one end of the perimeter to another you know putting out you know pushing the uh north koreans back and uh so you see as he looks like man i'll tell you what look like they took uh a guy out of Auschwitz and put a helmet and, uh, and a Marine uniform on him, you know. But uh, that was, uh, was a good picture, absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying. Did you to... hear any of that? Yeah, no, we, we heard we heard it all now. The um... oh. I used a couple of big words, so I wanted to make sure. That's a famous picture. I just pulled it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was at, and here's here we'll tie it together a little bit. He was a CEO of Baker Company. Baker. <laughs> to, one five. Yeah. And uh, I believe at the time it was PFC Dunford was in Baker Company. Yeah, oh, Dunford's yeah. dead? Yeah. Is that father of No kid. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sucked for those guys. And then four months later, they're freezing their asses off up in the Chosen Reservoir, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, that first six months in Korea is probably one of the most challenging times to be a Marine infantry guy, for sure, in, I, in a lot of times. but My number two is, um, and I'm a Blue Diamond guy. I mean, all my, uh, you know, all my time, I never was in the 2nd Marine Division. Um, but it's the, uh, the picture of the Incheon landing where, um, they've hit the seawall and the ladders are going up and, and they're going over that wall. And uh, I don't know, I, I've always loved what that symbolizes, right? Um, yeah. 
Well, the lieutenant going up, Boldemero Lopez, got killed right after that picture was taken. He got the Medal of Honor. Yeah. But the, um, just, I mean, just the whole idea that, you know, that we would launch this, you know, this, uh, this envelopment that we would go into Mm -hmm. this bay that, you know, had, had tides that, you know, people said, yeah, you simply cannot do that. And then Mm -hmm. the American Navy at the time, right? Peerless, absolutely peerless and absolutely fearless, um, could do anything. And they did. And so, but when you see those, you know, you see those, those fucking wooden ladders, right? And it's not like they're, you bought them at Home Depot, right? They're built, the right? The Marines, uh, yeah. the Marines built them, right? And yeah, so the, the Navy ship. got them yeah. the wood and, and I don't know, the Marines built them, the carpenters that they had that were on the ship built them and shit like that. But um, it's just, it's just a, a great moment in, uh, in Marine Corps history, yeah. you know, um, and again, it's just this uh, incredible spirit um, that is, you know, I think that attracts a lot of us to the Marine Corps, this kind of, fuck you, we don't care what the odds are, we don't care how hard it is, right? This is this is what we think is fun and good, and we're in on it. And so I, yeah, I, you know, I love that. Well, MacArthur made them. MacArthur made them going into them. They wanted to go a little bit. To the south, you know, there's a beach there, but uh, he said nope, and he was right in this instance. You know, there they had like a, a delt, like a, a tidal island there called Walmy Doe, and three yeah. five took yeah. that, yeah. and that was not, that was a pretty rough little tussle. They had tanks on Walmy Doe, and we didn't know it. So you know, it was, uh, you're absolutely everything you're saying is, is just how I feel about it too. You know, that must have been something, and then to go yeah. hauling ass up the road and right into into uh, Seoul. You know, yeah, you see those pictures yeah. of them and kind of columns going down both sides of the street, um, buildings on fire, you know, houses on fire, and then just kind of moving through. And just the craziness that was going on on the Korean Peninsula as the North Koreans went, they're where? And the Chinese, the Chinese were looking on saying, oh, hell no. Um, So, um, yeah, those uh, pictures. Do you have another one, Timmy? you have another one? Jeez, um, not right off the top of my head, man. Okay. I have to sit here and ponder it for a while. No, that's all right. It should it should jump out. Uh, I thought will surprise me because I thought he would have a more like naval academy or nautical. <laughs> that there would be one, like uh, I don't know, John Kennedy swimming with a <laughs> a, co- <laughs> a, co- a coconut, <laughs> a coconut attached to his back. I don't know. You know, every 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 Marine Corps birthday comes around on Facebook. I'll see these uh these 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 memes with uh, uh obviously a Marine Corps machine gunner taken away with a cigarette jetting out of his mouth and he's lit cranking on an M60 on a on a demolished wall and he's getting fed uh uh you know there's another there's another guy feeding rounds into the uh into the beast for him. And I forget what the stupid tagline is. It probably changes, but it's like, you know, the Marines, we'll fuck you up or something like that. That's a that's a pretty <laughs> famous picture. It shows up every year on my Facebook page. Does it? Yeah, the, every um, year. Yeah. It, it is Thanksgiving this week. Do you have a favorite part? What's your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal, Tim? The turkey. Is it? No, I like yeah, yeah. We well, well, we've been for the last few years. We've been getting these uh, heritage birds. So I'm getting a Narragansett turkey, an original OG Thanksgiving American turkey. A Narragansett wow. turkey. 
Narragansett, bro. That's the original ones. One of the original do they, ones. Do they? Whoa, that's old. That's an old turkey. No wonder they call it a heritage turkey. If it's an original, what? How did they? How do they keep them fresh all these years? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, look. You see, when Salt. you're going to get a heritage bird, you're going to get it from a heritage farm. Then they're going to charge you heritage bird money. <laughs> And then that shit gets shit it's shipped. Bad that thing now, was butchered. And yeah. I know. So how much does one pay? So let us ask you. I mean, turkey's expensive this year. How much does one pay? How much does it, does an aristocrat from McAllen, Texas, <sighs> Texas, pay for a heritage bird? Rumor, rumor, rumor has it it's not three hundred dollars, but damn close. <laughs> I shit you not. I'm not kidding you, man. What is it? This is we're supporting. We're supporting heritage birds. This is see. This is the bullshit that modern marketing brings into your life, where they try to infuse your your Thanksgiving turkey with meaning that you're doing something meaningful for America by by keeping in stock these heritage birds that haven't been polluted oh. by corporate turkey. So this was an act see? of selfless philanthropy for you. For my wife, okay. let's let us be clear about that. Yeah, but but as a result. Every year, I enjoy that fucking turkey because <laughs> well, let me tell that's you, a three hundred dollar <laughs> turkey, man. Whoa! Speaking of three hundred dollar turkeys, boy. look at Will's dog. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, that's interesting. I hope you enjoy that three hundred dollar yeah. turkey. Does it taste any different? Oh, I enjoy that turkey. Oh hell no! Are you kidding me? They they look skinnier. They look like our turkeys when we were a kid. It's not it's not like a light plump breath or nothing. It doesn't. It's like eating Chinese food. Like my, you gotta work it. Doesn't at it. look like my fifteen pound butterball. Like a Chinese. Oh hell no! No, they don't even look the same. It, the morphology is different. I'm I'm preserving our past, pal. Is what I'm doing. I, uh, wow. At least this is what I've been told I'm doing. Every year when I when I buy this turkey. Well, congratulations! I'm glad yeah, I thankful. I'm glad Thank I asked you. that stupid ass question. Yeah, yeah. No, this year it's Narragansett, and it was killed last night, and it's on its way today. Boom! I would get updates. When you pay three hundred bucks for a turkey, you don't have to. You, you get you get all the information. You, you still, you just, I know where the turkey's coming from. Do they have a name? Yeah. God Larry, no, Larry. God, no. Larry no, the tur- no. Larry the turkey. No, they were. No, these are serious. These are serious farmers, dude. They're not doing that. Shemp. Come on. <laughs> it's not like Ellis a Portlandia County, turkey. Ellis County turkey. It's not like a Portlandia turkey. It's bad enough. I'm paying this much money for a fucking turkey, dude. I'm no, at least Tim looking feels, at the bright side of it. Tim feels like Shemp when he sees a credit card bill for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that comes right out of my bank account, man. It's it's right on the internet. Unbelievable. My, yeah, sis- but- my sisters used to play Three Stooges. Um, I can remember watching this shit in Oakland in like 1970. I'd be getting ready to go to the stadium with my dad, and they would be sitting on the bed, and what they would do is they would write the names of the Three Stooges and put them in a hat, and you drew names, right? And whatever one of the Stooges did to the other Stooge, you got to do, and there was three of them. <laughs> the house would come down with whoever got Mo, and I had a sister named Maureen who used to try to lobby that. No, no, no. My name's my nickname's Mo. I'm. My other two were like, yeah, we're not playing that shit. Yeah. And uh, and they would wail on each other. I'd be like, what a bunch of idiots. Um, well, your uh, your favorite part of the meal itself. What would you? Um, I. I can't say I have a favorite part. I will say when we used to go to my grandmother's in New York for Thanksgiving, I mean, 
you know, it was epic. <laughs> it, she had a table that it folded out. And you could see uh, like 14 or 16 people or more mm. at this table. Or eight, Itali- her, or eight Italians. Yeah, and her kitchen... Hey. <laughs> Her kitchen could fit about three quarters of a person comfortably. So I don't know how she used to make it all. Um, But my grandmother was a phenomenal cook, and it would just keep on coming and coming and coming, you know. Um, So, that I mean, that's a great memory uh, for me. Because I don't know when we would start. Sometime in the third quarter, maybe the first game. And we're ending, I don't know. Seemingly after the second game got over, you know, and then people would just be rolling around there. Yeah, <laughs> so you were good. you were morning eaters. Yeah, no, East, afternoon uh, games. East Coast. East oh, East Coast. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry oh, for that's so right. Provincial. Yeah, in California. <laughs> so that's interesting, Jeffrey. How about you? Your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal? Well, it's similar to Will's. I mean, we. I mean, I, I think about 100 people descend on my grandmother's house in Meriden, Connecticut, and uh, every f- f- spare flat part. And if the weather, and even in the garage, they made the kids, the grandkids eat in the garage. And uh, it was uh, it was great because in the morning or before the get, these guys would show up in like suits and ties and uh, and uh, or sports coats and ties. And then they would strip them off and they'd play basketball there. My uncles also used that place to like store cement and tile and uh, shit for their jobs. So we get to, it was fun, you know, when I got to the point where I could actually play with them. And then uh, we would uh, we would eat and uh, holy shit, man, it was just great. Like she usually did three turkeys, and because uh, there's like like I said, probably about a hundred guineas and part guineas there, you know. And uh, man, they could eat like nobody's business, and uh, it was great. Then. Um, There'd be uh, the Kenny, the Kenny Thanksgiving, which we'd have at either one of my dad's brothers or sister's house or our house, which was like the day before the day after, which was a lot more drinking and more fun in some ways. But, you know, it was like uh, every holiday was like that, you know. So, uh, um, yeah, it was uh, memorable. But I'll tell you what, because we used to rehearse for my grandma, my grandmother's Thanksgiving and Christmas every week. Because we half of us would show up at our house on Sunday for the big dinner, you know, and uh, it was usually then it was cheaper. It was ravioli, or gnocchi, or you know, uh, or pizza. And for every Friday it was pizza because they're Catholic, you know, and the shitty pizza with no meat on it. You know what I mean? So it's just a. Whoa, flip, I love that's it. Will's it's favorite pizza. Kid, you know? That's yeah. Hold on, man. You're messing up classic. Pizza. It's called, called yeah. Classic. He called so, it. He called it shitty pizza. Well, I mean, because it doesn't have any meat on it, man. It's I know. Fucking Friday. We'll think. We'll think that's they a delicate. Like hardcore Catholic. The one thing the mix and the guineas had in common those days was they're both hardcore Catholics, and uh, so it was. It was fun though, in a way. You know, it was fun. You know, and uh, I remember uh, the uh, a lot of yelling and arguing in the Italian place, in the Irish place, a lot of laughing and joking. But then they'd have fist fights. So, you know, at the end of the night, that would usually end it. My dad and his brothers would go to war, you know. But then so the first yeah. So the so, first sociology study of alcoholism in America was done in Connecticut. Uh-huh. And it featured comparing Italian to Irish immigrants. And what they found was the Italians drank twice, three times as much as the Irish. 
but in families, in a family setting as part of a meal, right, blah, right. blah, blah, where the Irish men tended to drink alone in bars and clubs and get into fistfights. I believe what Jeff's just related to you is he's confirming social theory. There it is, right yeah, there. Yeah, he just did. From the very town the original the the original experiment was conducted in. Are you it's afraid you're becoming kind of an egghead with shit like that? No, I, I'm just trying to be interesting. Or is as that you get older, combined with a three hundred dollar turkey? Yeah, make supposed, you a... supposed to be interested as you get older. Doesn't you don't have to be smart? You don't you're have to be a genius. I think you're just becoming an intellectual. Yes, we go if to I'm that interesting, that's place. okay. We'd approach my grandmother's house from two blocks away. That's how far away at the park. We used to go up to uh, my mom's family lived in the state of Washington, and it would be virtually the, even though we lived ninety minutes from the Sierra Nevadas, um, it, it would really be the only time that we got to see snow um, in the Seattle area, and then over in Spokane. And so, but my grandmother was a great cook. My mom was a great cook. And so, um, to me, the most important part of the meal is the gravy, right? If you fuck the gravy up, the meal is done. And so, um, yeah, yeah. And let me ask you a food consumption question. Do you like a little bit of everything on a, uh, on, on a fort full, Timmy? Or are you like kind of a, um, a a la carte fort guy? How do you do it? And but I tell you, I, I tell hold you. Hold on, hold on. It, Two other questions: celery in the stuffing, yes or no, and cranberry, yes or no. So okay, cranberries, yes. Celery is always a filler. It's not welcomed anywhere at any time, for any reason that's not based making soup stock. Unless you're making soup stock, you got no business putting celery anywhere near anything, right? And uh, your, what was the first question? Your, your, your fork strategy. Oh no, my fork strategy. I I mix it all up. I was never happier than uh, than in Afghanistan when I found out that the that when you sat down and had to eat with the elders and whatnot, you ate with your hands and mixed everything up in this big pile of rice. I loved it. I, that that to me is heaven. I mix it all up, God, and, God. and yeah, it grosses too. my That's kids out. <laughs> yeah, grosses my kids out. That's what I eat. We'll see. Uh, cranberry. Plain from the can. Ocean spray. So it got the can marks on it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't particularly care for cooked celery. If it's served, I'll eat it, but I wouldn't ask for it. And I am much more pure in how I handle a fork, right? <laughs> Other than in a Marine Corps challenge. So. so you're an a la carte fork guy? At Thanksgiving, for sure. Wow. Wow. Jeffrey? There you go. Uh, Marine Corps Chow Hall, you just pile it all on there, mix it up, particularly at breakfast. Mix it yeah. all up into a slurry. Let it go. Yeah. Wow. Who knew? Jeffrey, how about you? Well, um, I like cranberry sauce of any kind, you know, that I can get. Um, but I don't think my palate is... Is sophisticated enough to tell the difference between good stuff, good cranberry, or bad. As a matter of fact, I don't know if it's good enough to tell the difference between good anything and bad stuff, you know? But uh, the, uh, yeah, you know what I really liked about Thanksgiving was we get these big uh, rolls, you know, big, uh, like uh, some of them were sesame seed, just some of them were just freshly cooked, fluffy, 
you split them open, you stick butter in there, the butter melts, and you just chow down. You know that. You know, try not to fill up on that because it you know cut you off for turkey. But uh, that was my favorite thing to start out with. You know. How about celery? Celery in the dressing? Yes or no? Oh fuck it! I hate celery. Period. It's like like Tim said, it has no value nutritionally or anything else. It's just Ooh. you know filler. You know. And how about when you jam stuff it into your pie hole? Are you a are you a refined eater like Will? Or are you a man of the people like Timmy? I have about as much refinement as a bowl of turnips. No, I'm not. I just shovel it in, man. And that's why I was a natural as an advisor at the Iraqis and the Afghans, because I would get right in there. And especially in Iraq, they used to do simic, which is fish out of the Euphrates, where you couldn't drive by the Euphrates without seeing something dead floating in there. But we ate that fish like it was fucking cool, man. It's, we were hungry. But let me tell you, the Euphrates is a beautiful river, and you look at it, and you're just like, how could something that full of raw sewage, right, be mm-hmm. so beautiful? And it is. It is. Because it, it goes through Jesus' backyard. And he fixed <laughs> exactly. <it. laughs> and he blessed it. I may, yeah. I, I, you know, I concur. I'll make it unanimous. Celery, pff, please. Get that shit out of here, okay? Cranberry, I'm with Will. Ocean spray, if you want to serve me your grandmother's secret recipe with orange rinds and shit like that in it, you lost me, okay? <laughs> Thanksgiving has a specific taste in, in my mouth. And when you're, you and your grandma and all that bullshit, I do not want to hear that. And so here's what I would tell you. If, 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 if your family does shit like that, Make sure you have a, a selection of cranberry. Don't only serve your grandmother's shit, okay? And I'm a, uh, I like a little bit of everything on the fork. A little bit of turkey, a little bit of stuffing, a little bit of gravy, a little bit of, uh, ma- I don't know, mashed potatoes. That makes that a big mouthful. But I like, you know, the combination style bite um, on, on Thanksgiving. I'm not a, I didn't even like. What's the point of the a la carte bite? I don't even. I don't even get that in this meal. Yeah. Will? Well, here's an important question. What about deep fried versus uh, roasted turkey? What do you think? Oh, deep fry is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I know people that have tried that, and you hear some of the greatest horror stories on Thanksgiving, uh, it, particularly in the upper Midwest and the colder regions where you're trying to do it right. It's it's ten degrees above zero. Right. They light the deck on fire because they don't, you know, they don't dry the turkey out. They drop a turkey with water into this boiling oil. The thing combusts. The house burns down. I mean, shit like that. Here's a prediction. More people will, more healthy people will die from trying to deep fry a turkey this Thanksgiving (laughs) than will die of COVID. So. Yeah. That's yes. baked, yes. ba- baked turkey I think is a uh, I, I know people that will say oh I love to deep fry my turkey it's the only way to eat it yeah good luck with that bro um, to me the sure bet the second turkey can be deep fried but yeah that's what, what we do because I got a shitload of people come to our house for Thanksgiving or even Christmas so but I you know I have to tell you the uh, why do you how about eat turkey this? on Christmas Huh? Why do we eat turkey? On Everybody is all non-Italians. No, you eat lasagna on Christmas. <laughs> we eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Hey, let me tell you. You eat both on Christmas. Well, what are you talking? We used to eat ham. You eat stuffed shrimp on Christmas. Christmas Eve. Let me tell you. you know, 
lasagna from people that come from Italy to die for. If it's light, it depends. If it's heavy, it tastes good, but you won't recover for a week. <laughs> you know what? I had a um, – I know somebody, like and they said their mother would roll thin pasta – and yeah. for sp- or cottage cheese instead of regular cheese. Specifically, yeah. <laughs> that's a way. That's a secret, man. What the secret to what? An Irishman? No. Cottage that's cheese. Fucking... Yes, if they do it right, that's a brutzi fucking. Let me, hey, let me just tell you, that's ghetto ass Italian, right? They couldn't even afford the cheese. Well, what do you expect? We're no, Mezzogiorno Italians, man. You have two types of guinea. The ones from Rome and South, the ones from which are real Italians, like us, I think Will is one of them. Then the ones from Rome North, they're fucking Germans, man. <laughs> ask Will. Hey, let me ask you an Italian. This is an Italian trivia question. Okay. The Via, yeah. the via Appia, right? Right. Why was it constructed? It was to move Roman armies up and down the peninsula. That's exactly why. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And that's it. That's that's it. pretty much the story for most every major Roman road, right? Yeah. And that most of the roads point. in fucking Europe too. That's absolutely true. Now we're gonna we built a road. Now we're gonna kick you. Now we're gonna kick your ass. But lasagna. I'm gonna make you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> doing the. Then we're gonna yank the cost of it out of your ass. Um. But lasagna, well done. I mean, you know what I'm saying? When it's light yeah. and it, it's it has all the right ingredients. Oh my god, right. it's the best. Yeah, right. my favorite. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I often tell this to my kids, but. You know something's really funny when you're a part of it and you listen to it the second time and you still laugh? That shit's funny. And (laughs) if you hear the genuine surprise when Timmy talks about his heritage turkey (laughs) when he says that he spent $300 on it, (laughs) you hear people... Whoa! Whoa! What? Oh my god. Hilarious. That's <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, yeah, let me tell you. So you heard that beep, so that's the stop of it. So that's part one of a two-part Mensa Brothers. So, tomorrow, because it's the week of Thanksgiving... We're doing fun stuff, and uh, in an effort to make your Thanksgiving better. So you'll get to hear the second half of that, which I really, um, which I really, didn't intend for it to go like an hour and 20 minutes, but it somehow has a way of kind of morphing as we discuss other shit. And that's what we did. So you'll hear the rest of that discussion tomorrow, which is entertaining. So uh, I enjoy it, if you can't tell. Um, The discussion about Turkey, always funny. 
right? Eating Thanksgiving, always funny. So anyway, on this week where we get ready to spend, I think, the coolest holiday of the year, and that is with family and friends, um, and doing nothing but, um, I think, thank giving thanks for the blessings that we all have in our life. And I would be mindful of that, that um, no matter where you go, no matter where you gather, I think um, being mindful, and I know because I deal with so many people that deal with so much tough stuff, of how fortunate we are in life to have the things that we have. You know, and and, uh, when somebody says, utters the phrase, God, it can't get any worse than this. Um, you know, I just kind of, I kind of wince and actually I wince and I, and I squint that look, right? And I don't say what I'm thinking, which is God bless you, man, because it sure as fuck can get worse. So, um, give thanks for what you have, the blessings in your life, and then resolve to make your life better. And you can do that. So, on that note, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. If you're traveling, travel safe. The second part of this will um, go up tomorrow. Yeah, so you'll have something to listen to on the drive. Have a great Thanksgiving. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. If I can do anything to help somebody... At one of your Thanksgiving gatherings, don't hesitate, man. All the contact information from the website will get you to my phone. Yep. So. On a Tuesday, the 23rd day of November, I'm out. <laughs>